Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome to our show. We just got to warn you, you're going to in for a huge treat today with our two dynamic, literally world-changing, um, world-changers who are heavily involved in serving communities from two profound and, and two very distinct lenses. Well, our first guest will be the First Lady of Tennessee, Woo-hoo. Mrs. Chrissy Haslam, whose heart for families and children have led her to create initiatives to encourage families. And um, we're gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to introduce her in just a minute. But our, our, our guest, our second guest will be Brad Dennis, who is the Search and Rescue Director for Class Kids, which oversees um, the search and rescue of missing and exploited children. And his rescue efforts have been chronicled on CNN, the Early Show, The Today Show, Dateline, MSNBC, and 48 Hours. Well, we, you're going to be in for a treat, like I said, and you're going to be learning. We're all going to be learning so much, and I just know that our horizons are going to be broadened. Yes, and just how to collaborate with each other, how to truly get involved into your community and um, really have an Im- impact. But before we get too far into our show, you are once again listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do remarkable through resources and relationships, and we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. But don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, our first guest was born in Houston, Texas. Chrissy Haslam moved with her family to Memphis, Tennessee when she was eight years old. She attended St. Mary's Episcopal School in Memphis and continued on to Emory University for college. Chrissy graduated from Emory in 1980 with a double major in finance and marketing in the College of Business. Well, Chrissy married Bill Haslam and they moved to Knoxville in 1981. While working as the Assistant Director of Admissions for UT Knoxville, she received a Master's of Science degree in Education in the Program of College Student Personnel. She has served on numerous civic and community boards and currently serves as chair of the Tennessee Executive Residence Foundation and Commission. Mrs. Haslam and Bill have three grown children, and as First Lady of Tennessee, Chrissy has introduced a three-part initiative that focuses on the interplay between family engagement and literacy improvement in Tennessee. She has been traveling the state to stress the importance of parents as first teachers, parents as education partners, and also to raise awareness for the exponential value of reading on grade level by the third grade. And I have to just throw in a side note here because the state of Tennessee holds a special place and, and Patty's in my hearts because both of our moms were actually born in Tennessee. I know my mom was born and raised in Memphis and as children we used to go back there every every summer. So I, I do love the state of Tennessee and <laughs> and um, it's, it's just an honor to have Mrs. Haslam with us. So welcome to our show. How are you today? 
I'm doing great. Thank you, Lisa and Patty, for having me on. And uh, I'm so proud of your Tennessee roots. That's terrific. I know. that kind of fun? I do. We do love in that southern charm. Well, um, I had the opportunity back in October to attend a luncheon um, with you, Chrissy, in the governor's mansion in Nashville. And I got to tell you, I just fell in love with your southern hospitality. You guys really know how to, to put on a luncheon and to really open your home up. You know, you guys have it. You guys have a mark on it better than we do out here in the West because we just don't do things like that, really. So it was really fun to just sit there and just kind of glean and take in the the governor's mansion. And you kind of gave us a little history. And it was just such a great experience. I just had a smile all day. Well, I realized, too, that you uh, not only were you the first lady, but you are somebody that's really fun as a a friend and approachable. And it was you were someone I knew that Patty and I had to have on our show. So, again, we just want to thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule and um, just for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me, and I'm, I'm glad you have the show. I wasn't aware of it, and um, I think it's a terrific idea. I know you you, uh, you have a lot of followers and are really impacting their lives, I'm sure. I'm glad I'm the first guest and not the, that I don't have to follow your second guest because he sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably saying the same thing. I, yeah, I have to follow the First Lady of Tennessee, yes. <laughs> Well, okay, we, we're just, we don't have a lot of time, and we have so many questions. We, Patty and I, um, we've been, you know, we've been called interrogators because we just love to ask questions and, and just hear other people's stories because stories are so powerful. But let's back up because we want to hear how, you know, you met the governor when you both were attending college at Emory University. At that time, did you have any idea that you'd be sitting here today as the First Lady of Tennessee? No, I had no idea that this would be the direction our lives would take. Um, he, When I met him, he was going to be a teacher, and I thought that was terrific. Uh, then he thought about going into the ministry and going to seminary, but he started working in a business, and he loved business, and he ended up staying there for 20 years. And uh, it, then uh, at, at a point, in a turning point, he decided to run for mayor of our city. Uh, and it's funny, being a mayor kind of used his gifts in a different way, um, and he was great at it. And so when he said he wanted to run for governor, I said, well, it's kind of like being a mayor, but on a bigger scale. And, and this mm-hmm. uses your gift so well. I think, I think you should do it. Not, we ran not knowing, you know, if you get the job or not, but, um, uh, but he did get the job and uh, we're thankful to be here. Well, and I have to tell you, when we were back there in Tennessee, we heard so many great things about you guys from different people. You I mean, you can kind of kind of understand the culture just when you're talking to people. You guys really are highly esteemed there because people see you as, as you know, as a couple that really cares about people and are engaged in your community. And, um, and a bit later, I want to talk about some of your reading initiatives and the things you do with children and reading and families and which, you know, that just that just carries a lot. People, when they really see your heart, it means so much because politics is so it sounds so cold and almost scandalous anymore it does yeah and and so to meet somebody (laughs) like you guys and to hear your story and your heart that you really are in it because you love people and you want to make your community and your state and literally the world a better place it's so refreshing so that's why we knew we had to have you on our show and and you all are all about giving back why is that so important to you to just really engage well, I think, you know, we've all been given so much, and um, Bill and I love being involved in our community, and uh, we just look at this as an incredible opportunity to, to serve our state. People will say, oh, your husband's in politics, and I'll say, no, he's not a politician, he's a public servant, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I do think service is what this is all about, so we want to make it a better place for our, our kids and our grandchildren and um, uh, for 
their friends and our other families, and there's a lot to be done. And not that we can do it all, but uh, we want to just, you know, do all we can. Well, um, just even that paradigm shift of looking at it as we are serving others and being a a, uh, a servant leader rather than uh, the, the politician, I think even that, hearing your heart, um, that changes so much. Well, we have our listeners, mainly are, are women in leadership and pastor's wives, and um, so many times we get asked, how in the world are you in this, this craziness of the balance of leading and, and being a wife and being a mom? So do you have just a few tips on what you've done and what you've learned about balancing that role as a leader, a mother, and a wife? Well, you know, for me, my family's always going to come first. Um, if I'm in a meeting and I get a call from my husband or my children, I take it the other day. The other day I answered the phone and I was in a meeting. I said, is this an emergency or can I call you back? And she said, oh, no, you can call me back. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I want to, you know, I want to make sure they know that, that they are first and that that is very, very important to me. Um, but and I think leadership doesn't mean uh, that you should neglect your family. But uh, this is a great job for me. I'm able to do a lot of things with my husband. And actually, it's brought us closer together, probably uh, I think a lot of people think, well, probably you're so busy you never see each other, but we're working on some of the same ideas in different ways, and uh, I know all the people he's working with, and I get very involved with that. So uh, in some ways, it's really brought us closer together. Um, but it is hard to balance. It's hard to balance uh, leadership and uh, work and uh, children and husbands and all of that. It's something that uh, I think there are seasons of life, and I think that you know, it, it you may, may be hard for a season, but things are going to change pretty soon. It's going to be different, and you have to focus on uh, the fact that this is just a season. Mm-hmm. And that and is make, a good and make the most season you get. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and that and that's a good distinction because then it's not so overwhelming because we can all break it down into seasons instead of looking at this as years ahead. But you you made a couple of great points. I like how you said. You know, I I join. You know, you join your husband in some of these things. You work together. And that's so important, I think, especially like like I said, we have a lot of women that are in ministry and pastors' wives. And, um, you know, finding that commonality where we can truly work on this together and, and it, it allows the conversations to happen, the dreaming together, the, okay, what are, what are our next steps? And it, it does bring you and unite you together um, as a couple and you learn more and it's like, you're not growing apart, but you're growing together as you each are doing your own thing. Because, um, I know you are doing some of your own work separate from your husband, but yet there's so many things you guys are doing together. And we only have like two minutes before I have to take a break. It's going by so fast. Um, before, as we go into the break, when you hear the word like politics, there's a kind of a stigma around that involved with that. And it can be very intimidating and overwhelming. Um, it just in, in just a, a couple of minutes, how have you found politics to be an effective way to really positively impact your community? Um, you know, I think uh, that it is a very effective way to, to impact your community. Um, I can't do everything. I don't have a big budget and I can't go out and, and do a lot of things, but I've I have a chance to lead and an opportunity, and so I've just tried to seize that. And what I can do is I can advocate and educate and convene people around a topic or spread a message. Um, when my husband decided to run for mayor, uh, he actually ran into an old friend who had run for mayor of another city, and, and he said, why would you do that? Why would you leave business to, to go into uh, being a mayor? 
And that friend said, you know, have you tried, you've probably served on boards and commissions and you've tried to make your city a better place. And uh, my husband said, yes. And his friend said, well, you know what? You can make a hundred times that difference if you will run for mayor and be the mayor of your city. And so it, it, we found that to be true um, in politics, in, in public service, uh, you can make a lot more difference than you ever dreamed. And that that's, as governor, that's been probably one of our biggest surprises is that you really can make a difference. So um, I think it's a great way to impact your community at every level, whether it's school board or um, uh, city council or county commission or mayor or uh, state legislature, in, all the way up to, you know, Washington, D.C. It is a terrific way. Well, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break because that's a great distinction. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with First Lady of Tennessee, Chrissy Haslam. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. If you're like me, every year you wonder how you're going to dispose of your live Christmas tree. In the desert climate around Reno, Nevada, Christmas trees that are left outside won't decompose. They will just get drier and drier, eventually becoming a serious fire hazard. Vince Thomas, the founder of Goat Grazers, a goat herding business, is now using his 40 goats to help recycle Christmas trees. Hey, I'm not kidding. We all know goats are known to eat just about anything. Thomas used dendrology, or the study of trees, to discover the trees are a natural dewormer for goats, and the pine is very high in vitamin C, so it's healthy for them as well. What's a word for the pine needles that fall off a Christmas tree? Diddle Dees. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, welcome back to our show. We are having such a great time with our special guest, First Lady of Tennessee, Missy, Mrs. Chrissy Haslam. Well, the Haslams have been in office for just over four years now, and Governor Haslam was elected for a second four-year term in November of 2014, and he was just inaugurated on January 17th of this month. That's pretty exciting things happening. Well, Mrs. Haslam initiated the Read 20 Book Club, and the purpose of the First Lady's Read 20 Book Club is to give Tennessee families a fun goal of reading together with their children for 20 minutes every day. Well, Chrissy, we have just enjoyed just hearing your heart, and like even the distinction you said about you don't really look at it as politics, but public service. And that's a great distinction because that makes it more approachable and going, you know, I could possibly do that. I could possibly engage with, with that mindset and not be overwhelmed by the stigma of politics. Um, and you've started your own initiative. You were just sharing how, you, you know, you and your husband, you've found that commonality where you're working on things together and you're part of, of his world. And but yet you also have your own. And I think that's an important thing. Each one of us need to find what, are, what it drives us, what wakes us up, you know, in the morning that we go, I, I can make a difference here. And for you, it, it's this reading and like this uh, Read 20 book club. Can you tell us a little bit about your initiatives and why this has been so important to you to focus on and the reading and getting parents involved? Sure. Thanks for asking. Um, my husband's working on education from K through 12 and higher ed, and I realize I'm, I'm very passionate about children and education. It was very important in my family growing up, and I wanted to do something to help them in that area. And um, I, I realized that parent engagement was so important for parents to understand how important it is to be engaged in the academic lives of their children. Their children will do better if they are engaged there. And one study showed that they studied all the different ways parents could be engaged academically with their children. And the two things that rose to the top were um, asking about their homework and reading with them 20 or 30 minutes a day. And asking about their homework, you don't have to know how to do the homework, so that's good. You just have to show them how important it is and make sure they get it done and get help when they need it. And then reading with them. And so reading is a simple way that parents can get engaged with their kids. And in Tennessee, over half of our kids are not reading on grade level, not reading proficiently at the end of third grade, which is a real marker. It's probably better where you are, but in Tennessee, over half of our kids are starting to get behind at the end of third grade. And so I'm really focusing on that measurement to emphasize to parents that they can, they can help with this and they can help get their child ready for kindergarten. They can help get their child reading on grade level by the end of third grade so that their child won't start getting behind at that young age. Well, this is so significant. I, I am an avid reader, and so reading 20 minutes um, with your children. I know recently, Lisa and I just saw a statistic that the average family only has 10 minutes of significant conversations in a week, which just is mind-boggling to me. But if and, and then if the father isn't there, or if the mother isn't there, it goes down to literally seconds. So when you when you consider taking that time to just read with your child, even, you know, 20 minutes is phenomenal. Even if you're just reading, it's funny because I, um, my youngest is 13 and I at times follow her around because we try to read a book together <laughs> and loving the, the 20 minutes. Um, but I follow her around at breakfast as, as we're trying to, you know, finish a chapter, but it brings all kinds of conversation. So if you, if you're thinking, I don't know what to even talk to my child about, I don't know what kind of questions to ask when you're reading a book 
that that's your conversation and that leads to those significant um, topics and then you're in a whole other world together as you're reading that that book together do you have some stories that have come out where uh, individuals have not been reading with their kids and then now that they are that they have found okay this is fun and fascinating Oh, lots of stories. I can't even begin. But um, you're right. I think that closeness that comes from reading together and then what comes from that, that's why we have this little book club and we recommend certain books for families to read together. And then we give them a list of questions to ask their kids or activities to do or uh, that kind of thing. And, and, and it's all on my website, so it's very easy for them to get, get to get and through the libraries and through the school. So um, that's that starts a conversation and um, a real teachable moment and brings families closer together. I hope, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you really have taken away the excuses that I can't read with my child because it's like you're providing them the books, you're providing them questions and all that. And so that's what people, it's like, okay, there's no more excuses, just do it. And it's like, how much do you want to be engaged with your children? And so that's so great that you've provided that because that, that is so many times people go, I don't even know where to start or like what book to read. So um, that's kind of exciting. Um, just in our limited time, just because we're, you know, our audience so much is about women using their influence. And, you know, you, you always have to be um, as a leader growing in your leadership. And, you know, hopefully you're not the same leader today you were last year, but you're, you know, co- and things are constantly changing. I love how you said at the beginning that, you know, you, you never thought you would be you know, up up in public service and you thought, you know, one path. And I think for so many of us, when we start our lives or even our careers, even right now, you think you're on one path. And then it is just interesting how, you know, sometimes God has other plans for our lives and we have to take the scenic route sometimes, but it's always such a great experience and learning experience. How have you grown as a leader during this unique time of being the first lady of Tennessee? Because that is a unique position that very few people, you know, have the opportunity to, to sit and stand in. What, is, what difference has that made in your life personally? Um, I, you know, it came at a time in my life when my kids were pretty much grown. We had one or t- two in college, one out of college and married. Um, in the last four years, we've actually uh, doubled our family. We've gotten, we've gained two son-in-laws and four grandchildren. So um, that's been exciting. But um, it was a good time for me to kind of jump in with both feet and be very involved in it. And I felt like I had this opportunity that I could uh, seize and I should. And, you know, I was a little nervous. I hadn't been, I'd, I'd been out of the workforce for a while and um, I wasn't a public speaker, but uh, I had to learn how to do that. And I knew it was important and that, that if I could get over that fear, then I would be uh, able to really have an impact. And so um, I think one of my favorite verses is um, the verse, I think I think they were Jesus' last words when um, a lot of people think it was go and make disciples of all nations. But in one of the Gospels it says, and he said, and lo, I'm with you always. Mm-hmm. And so that means so much to me. When I, when I stand up in front of a group, I think, okay, he's with me. And a friend said, you know, he'll give you what you need, Maybe not, maybe not before you need it, but when you need it, it he will be there. And I have really felt that. Um, politics is, uh, it's not always easy and you don't always want to go. I'm, I'm sure pastors wives feel this way. You don't want to, uh, you don't want to go to every meeting and you kind of think, oh, I got to get dressed and go do this thing again or whatever. Um, but once I get there, I usually realize these are great people. I'm so glad I came. Um, and I'm, try to connect with at least one person. And if you can connect with at least one person in that group, you know, you've made a friend and you've made a difference. Sometimes we just think about, you know, 
there are always people criticizing you. No matter what, no matter what, you're not going to please everybody. And um, we always just try to say, what's the next right thing to do? Let's do the next right thing. And uh, somebody else once said, uh, they said, politics is an excellent chance to practice forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great line. I said, maybe life is an excellent <laughs> chance to practice forgiveness. But uh, <laughs> I think of that often. <laughs> Uh, what, what a great tip. It's a great place to, uh, like you said, life is a great place to practice forgiveness. But um, the connect with one person, that is a, a great takeaway from the show, that it's those, it's those little things that we hear. Um, when you walk into a room, I think for uh, many women in leadership, it's overwhelming because you feel like I've got to work the room. I've got to make sure that you know, I'm giving my attention to, you know, different, different people here, but to connect with one person, then you have, you walk away with a significant connection. But I, I love the part where you said, I have to get dressed. <laughs> I, that so resonates with me. That's where we do radio because we can be on our radio face. <laughs> it's like, if I have to put mascara on one more time, I mean, you know, sometimes you just, you, you go, oh, I can't believe that I have to get dressed and I have to think of, of what to wear. So, you know, Lisa and I, we, we laughed at that to the point that we started doing conferences in our pajamas and invite everyone else to come, you know, to the conference and have breakfast in your pajamas. And it was such a hit. I think women are, I think we all relate to that. Just being able to, uh, yeah, kick back and enjoy it. But, um, you, you mentioned that you were not a public speaker and you had to get over that. And what, what were some of the tips? Because we hear that so many times, I'm not a leader and there's no way I'm going to get up in front of everyone and say X, Y, and Z. So what, what's a tip there? I think you're, you're always going to be nervous, but the more you do it, the easier it is. And if you don't ever do it, then you'll never experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, too, they just want to see you're real and they want to know you're sincere and you, you care. And those are easy things to communicate um, if you just, by, by just being yourself. So um, I think that I still get a little nervous when I get in front of people, and the larger the crowd, uh, you know, the more nervous I get. But um, I think that I know it's it's uh, it's worth doing, and um, that the more I do it, when I'm when I haven't done it for a while, then I then I get even more nervous. But the more I do it, the easier it becomes. And I do, as I said, I think that um, uh, God is with me, and and so what do I have to fear? Mm. And that's, I love how you, you allow your faith and, and just God. And, and because honestly, Patty and I, we say, you know, if, if we didn't have God, you know, through the, you know, like you saw, you talked about the criticism that comes with different roles and, and all these factors. And, you know, you have to learn forgiveness and practice forgiveness. And, and that's not a one-time thing. It's like daily. Okay, God, you know, help me here. And just relying on God's strength to get us through the moments that he has in front of us. Otherwise it is overwhelming. I mean, we don't know how people do it without, without the Lord truly, you know, in the middle of that. Well, we just have like a minute or so. And again, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining our show. And one of the things I just so appreciate, um, I know, Patty, and I just appreciate when people come on and they're just so open and just this is who I am and just shares, you know, from their heart. And you have done that. And you are such a great example of a woman in public service who's married to a very high capacity, high profile man. And you have done, you know, you just speak well and your heart just comes through and so many great ways. So thank you again just for joining our show and being that. We have 30 seconds. What is one thing you want to tell people 
just to, you know, demyth something about politics or, or whatever and a role? Um, I think, um, oh boy, so many come to mind. And I'm putting uh, you on the spot. No pressure. <laughs> um, uh, I would say, uh, you know, well, I would say one thing I would encourage people is to, um, stay up to date and read and understand. And what you read in the paper is not always exactly correct. And to just try to become a little bit more of a student of what's going on around you. And, um, and please, I would, I mean, women need to become involved in, in this area. We, the Lord needs his servants all in, in all areas. And so this is one of those places that would be great to get involved in. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend it on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. Have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget on Toginet Wednesday nights, 9, 8 central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship or wonder, how do I tell my kids about things? Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And that is a quote from Margaret Mead that we absolutely love. And we just have to go back to a year ago, an FBI press release publicized the recovery of 16 children during a Super Bowl sex trafficking sting. Many of the children traveled to New Jersey from other states, specifically to be prostituted at the Super Bowl. The children ranged in age 
age from 13 to 17 years old, including high school students and children who had been reported missing by their families. Additionally, more than 45 pimps and their associates were arrested during the Blitz the Trafficker sting operation. Arrests were made and victims recovered in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Under the leadership of Search and Rescue Director Brad Dennis, Class Kids, which receives no government funding and has been working with the New Jersey State Police since May 2013, and has also participated in several of their sting operations, and his rescue efforts have been chronicled on CNN, The Early Show, The Today Show, Dateline, MSNBC, and 48 Hours, as well as many other um, articles that have been written about Brad, and it was so cool because because we've been working with Brad for the last few months because we're having the Super Bowl here in Arizona. And we had an opportunity to meet him on Monday night. Was blown away by his passion and just the drive that he has to truly say, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen under our nose. These kids that are missing, we are going to find them and we are giving it to God and we are going to pray this thing forward. And uh, we're just so excited to have you on the show today, Brad. So welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I do have to ask you, Brad, your email came in last night around one o'clock in the morning. So um, I think we need to start praying for you to get get some (laughs) shut eye. Are you sleeping at all this week? Oh, not much. Uh, I think I finally hit uh, hit the bed around four last night. Uh, we were working uh, a case of a missing child and trying to get her some services that she desperately needed and deserved. And uh, so, yeah, it took a little time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have to say, we so appreciate all your efforts and how you're rallying, truly rallying people to do the remarkable um, to get these kids back. Um Tell us a little bit about your story as to why you're so passionate in rescuing um, the missing children that are out there. Well, I've been uh, working, um, I guess, in the search for missing children for about 29 years now. Uh, But the case that kind of really uh, solidified that work was the case of Polly Class. Um, Polly was abducted from her home in Petaluma, California in 1993. And... um, God kind of ordained uh, some steps along the way and had me placed there to uh, help organize that search effort for about three weeks. And um, and honestly, that really kind of changed a lot for me because that was the first time I really saw the raw emotions that a family goes through when their child goes missing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Can't even imagine. I mean, that's one of those things you just go, I, I can't even begin to imagine the emotions and the heartbreak. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's beyond devastating. Well, what, what was she, she was taken from her home during a slumber party. Was that? Yeah, correct. Um, it was a three time convicted, um, offender recently out on parole. Um, you know, unfortunately chose this area to stop, uh, purchased some alcohol and drugs, was getting high in a park, which happened to overlook uh, Polly's front yard, uh, where he watched Polly and several of her girlfriends play. Later that evening, he snuck into her home. He tied up the other two girls and took Polly away. Mm. Mm. 
So, you know, it, it's, you can, you can tell when we, when we heard your story and heard you talk a little bit Monday night, cause you were rallying, you know, being in Phoenix, um, you know, we're hosting a little event this weekend, the Super Bowl, <laughs> And with that brings so you know, a lot of collaboration we're seeing happening here with, you know, there's these missing children. There's a possibility they could be in this area during this time. And, you know, like you said, you're not getting any sleep. You're like, you know, enough is enough. We're going to find these children, whatever it takes. And, you know, it was just so cool to be uh, sit in the room and be a part of something, you know, that is bigger than yourself. And just seeing the collaboration of the community coming together, law enforcement, churches, um, just ordinary people that said, you know, we have a heart for this and we're not going to allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. So the collaboration is so significant. And yet it is a daunting task to think about this because it's, you know, it's something that, you're never going to totally eradicate, but for that one, you can make a difference. And it's that one by one by one. Um, tell us a little bit about um, just this, you know, with you being the director of the, the search and the rescue, just give us a little bit about what goes on and, and how significant this problem really is. It, and, and no community is safe. I mean, sometimes we think, well, we live in this and I don't, you know, we don't have to worry about this. But really, nobody is immune to this. Can you just kind of give a little bit of history of this and why, as as citizens, we need to really and as moms, I think that's why we're propelled. I know I think of, you know, my my daughter's grown now, but I have a little granddaughter and I just, you know, I'm my, my grandkids now. I'm just so highly motivated to go. I don't want them to ever, ever experience. And if I can be a part of stopping somebody. So give us a little bit of background into the significance of this issue. Well, um, you know, I think the first thing that I would want the listeners to understand is, is that this isn't really centered around uh, the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl is our excuse, if you will, to uh, bring this collaborative effort into a, a singular location and, and really try to build this groundswell movement. Uh, we chose the Super Bowl uh, for no other purpose and no other reason other than the fact that so much attention is focused on the Super Bowl and it's focused in a lockdown location like Phoenix, like uh, you know, like the area there in New Jersey, like New Orleans or Dallas. Um, there's a lot of misconception, a lot of misrumors about how much trafficking is going to take place around the Super Bowl, and it is going to take place. And there is uh, a lot of valid uh, and supportive documentation that shows that there is an increase. Um, but we choose that. We choose this type of thing simply because it's the perfect opportunity to really engage the community and get the community involved. And our hope and our passion is to not just do it for a week, obviously, in this local community, but engage you enough that you become so passionate about it that it will continue and it will grow feet from there. Because the problem is extremely daunting. 2,200 children are reported missing every single day in the United States. 2,200. I mean, that's an amazing amount of, of kids that go missing. And when they go missing, they go out on our streets and, and they have needs. And unfortunately, there's plenty of people out there in the world that want to take advantage of these children and those needs. And so they are going to exploit these children. And it's going to take uh, literally a, a groundswell movement, an army that can go out there and kind of combat that and are willing to understand that these are lost souls uh, that are out on our streets, in our communities, in every community across America that have needs. And um, what better group of people than the church to go out there and represent these kids? Mm. 
2,200 kids go missing a day. That, that is definitely a number. Uh, like you said, so many times we put so, so much emphasis on one event being the Super Bowl. But if we can continue this awareness uh, moving forward, I, I know my, my daughter's 13. And um, to know that that is the average age of the children that are being abducted. And we use the term prostitution, and yet it's really not. It's, it's rape. I mean, these children are out there and they're being raped. Um, by many, several um, in a day, and many times we want to go. Oh, don't don't go that heavy. Don't go that dark. But that is what what's happening. Um, what are some tips in being aware? I know yesterday um, through your training, we went and we sat at several hotels and went um, through drugstores and we passed out these pamphlets of these absolutely darling faces of the children that are missing in Arizona and some of the surrounding states here. And it was, um, just a, a really interesting experience for us. Uh, what would be another tip? Cause I, I think as a mom, when I have shared with my friends, such as being at the mall and being aware of we have heard there there are so many pimps that are out there looking continuously for that child, maybe that disposable child that no one's going to really focus on, pay attention to. And um, as we are sharing with our friends, they kind of look at you like you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? There's pimps hanging out in our mall. Um, but what are some mm-hmm. other tips that we can share with our listeners and just being aware? And then what do we do with that information? Well, I think the very first thing is just understand, first and foremost, that it is going to happen anywhere, and it's going to happen in every single community. I mean, I come um, from a very, very small community, um, unlike a Phoenix or, or a Tucson or a place like that. So, I mean, it's a very small community, and we have a very rampant problem, you know, in our very small community. So, it happens everywhere, and so you have to at least be able to go to that point, and when I understand that it's going to happen everywhere and that missing kids are going to happen in any town, uh, then I need to understand uh, where is the risk factors in my giving town? Uh, where's the places um, that uh, homeless children and runaway children may go to, may flock to? Uh, where is the big concern areas, um, whether they're housing places or or locations where these kids will congregate. And if those, if I can identify where those places are, then the best thing to do is, is how can I reach out to that population? And how can I reach out to that population with love? How can I fulfill some of the needs that are going on out there? How can I provide them support so they're not so apt to fall to, you know, the wary uh, means of pimps and traffickers and exploiters? Well, like you said, you, you come from a small community, and it's it's happening there. And you know, one of the things we appreciated, like you know, like Patty said, we went out yesterday. But you have equipped us with you know things to look for, and it it is that awareness and being aware of your surroundings and being aware of what's going on. And I think so many times we're so oblivious. We're just living life. We're just doing our own thing. We have our own to do list in front of us. First and, world issues. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 you we're not aware of 
you know, there's a whole nother world, a whole nother thing, you know, things happening around us. And, and as women, we can make a difference or people, you know, um, we can be a part of solutions. And, and that's where this collaboration really is significant. If each person does their role um, with that and it, amazing things can happen. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Brad Dennison, who is the search and rescue director with Class Kids. And this significant topic about, you know, just becoming aware and how do we really reach out and, you know, no kid left behind. And we really value each child and we bring them back home. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And um, stay with us. This is, this is significant stuff. It's really a heartbeat for us. Mm-hmm. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Have you heard... The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with Brad Dennis, who is the National Director of Search Operations for the Class Kids Foundation and its Search Center for Missing and Trafficked Children. Brad has over 25 years of experience in search and rescue and crisis management and has managed search efforts for over 200 missing abducted children around the country. He managed the community-assisted search effort following the abductions of Polly Class, 
which has become the model for child abduction search strategies. And uh, Brad travels extensively throughout the United States. Um, he has been instrumental in the rescue of numerous children from sex trafficking, and the intelligence he has gathered has assisted in taking down several child prostitution rings. So once again, thanks for being on the show, Brad. I know um, the other day when we were going through training, um, many times we we look at this serious situation and we, we always think of these are our girls. You know, we, we're missing so many girls. But as you're thumbing through the pamphlet you gave us, on all of the uh, children that we were praying for that are, that are missing, we you all of a sudden in the back of the book you come across all these pictures of boys, and um, we just once again we have a blind eye to that. So, what takes place here that you you've now has it always been an issue that you've seen that that um, they are also sex trafficking the the little boys. Um, yeah, I mean, we have seen that issue. You know, I mean, the the primary target, if you will, of child predators and child exploiters is the is the young teenage female, uh, typically between the ages of twelve to fifteen. Um, but it does happen to the boys and the boys' age group that are at most at risk um, of child predation is the six to nine year old boy. Uh, but as they get older. Uh, and especially as some of those boys uh, will have a tendency to do and they'll run away and they'll lash out and, um, you know, they they have struggles of communicating within the family structure. They will hit the streets. Uh, and as they do so, there are just as many predators out there and exploiters out there that will take advantage of them. Uh, I mean, the websites are, are numerous and filled uh, with our our young teenage boys uh, that are also being exploited. And, and unfortunately, in the human trafficking world, and especially in the fight against sex trafficking, so much is focused on the girl and so little is focused on the boys. Uh, matter of fact, one of, the, one of the worst issues that we have right now is uh, the, the very serious lack of beds or shelters for um, boys that have been exploited. We've all of a sudden had this huge um, surge of, of shelters for teenage females, um, but we have like next to nothing for boys. Hmm. And and that is a significant thing for us to even be praying about because you're right here in Arizona, we don't have, you go to a, a juvie home, they do not have a, a shelter set up. Um, with that, uh, just even in, in knowing that. Also, um, can you guide us or kind of educate um, our listeners on what takes place? Because so many times from our naive lens, we think, okay, we're going to go in, we're going to rescue these kids, and they're going to be open arms. <laughs> you know, they're going to just be like, yay, I'm rescued. Um, what What's happening here? That, the realities that, of it. Yeah, the realities of when you, you bring them in and you try it, you're like, hey, here's a warm bed, here's a safe place. And just like you said, with you know, some of the boys, they're, they're running. They're, they're not um, running to that warm bed. They're running away from it. Why is that? Uh, you know, I mean, I would imagine that many of your listeners are parents themselves, and uh, if they're parents and parents of teenagers, um, uh, like I have had the pleasure of going through in life, uh, <laughs> we have teenagers that have a tendency to think that they know everything, uh, that they have the answers to everything, and uh, it's going to be no different with some of these kids that we rescue. Uh, they are just not in a place to accept this kind of change in their life. Um, if they have hit the streets and they have become 
uh, a victim to this type of exploitation. Many of them don't even understand that it is victimization. Uh, this has just become their new normal in their life. And anytime that you try to take someone outside of that normal into something that is new and something that is different, um, change is something that many, many, many people, you know, um, resent. And so many of these kids resent it. Uh, they don't want the help. Uh, it's not as glamorous or it's not Hollywood. Like, you know, you can go in and do a sting and bust in the doors and, and there's all the kids and they come, you know, running over and hugging you at the hip and say, take me away. Uh, it just really does not happen that way. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort um, to break down those strongholds that have taken place in their lives uh, to be able to show them that there is a new hope that exists out there. Well, you know, you talk about the realities of this, that like you said, they're not, you know, they resist the change. A lot of times they resist you coming into, and, and from our lens, you know, I'm, I'm freeing you. I'm offering you something better. And why wouldn't you want that? Just the reality of that. And I think that's one of the things that it's been really hard because I know in our journey, Patty and I have been involved with this for several years. And it seems like, you know, you may take one step forward and five back, and it can be very discouraging because, like you said, they don't necessarily welcome you with open arms, and they're not ready to change, and, and you, you feel like, okay, am I making any difference? Does this matter? What keeps you going day after day that keeps you up at night, that, you know, that keeps you up to four in the morning, um, you know, that pushes you through all the disappointments, the discouragement, um, you know, the, the setbacks? What is it within you that goes, I can't quit? Well, I guess, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I know uh, I have seen proof and evidence all throughout my life that this was indeed the calling on my life. So, you know, you understand that along the way, and it gets you through some of the hurdles. But, um, you know, I would I would be remiss in saying that um, it's not difficult because it is. It's extremely difficult. There's very trying times. Um, I think the thing that gets me the most and um, maybe what wasn't conveyed Monday is, is that I am a pastor of a church. And for a long time, I was a youth pastor. And one of the very first uh, cases that I ever took – in my missing children's hat of child trafficking uh, actually involved one of my youth members. Mm. And for a long time, I really tried hard to break through all of those walls that she continually put up. And you could tell that there was something that was going on in her life, but she just did not want to let anyone in. And I think one of the things that is very difficult for a lot of us to understand the reason why these kids just don't actively come to us and, and seek that help is that they have been hurt so many times before. They have not been heard so many times in their life. They've gotten to a place that, you know, their story doesn't matter. Their face doesn't matter. Uh, you're just another statistic to whoever it is that's working with you, whether it's the, whether it's the youth pastor, the pastor, the counselor, the social worker, whoever. And, you know, somehow or another, we have to be able to break through that. And I think that's the thing that drives me is, is I, I look forward to those little victories, those little victories in which the eyes kind of glint and they say, you know, hey, I recognize that this person actually does care about me. Mm -hmm. They're actually trying to engage me. They want to hear my story and, and they want to know how they can help me. Um, and you know, I keep going back to that young girl's case. If there was some way that I could have ever broken through that, then maybe what had happened to her after the fact would never have happened. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that kind of pushes me out here to continue to go out here and try to find these kids before something happens to them, as well as those that it is already happening to them. I want to be able to go. I want to be able to share, um, you know, all of my personal stories and all these stories of these kids uh, with them so that they'll understand that their story is just as important. Mm. And, and that's such a good point because it, it, they do. We have no idea what's going on in somebody's life, what they have experienced, what what they're feeling, and we just see this resistance up front. But it's really, you know, being able to see beyond and to really understand and to be able to communicate, you know, even just through the eyes that you matter, that I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. And I think that's the thing because my husband and I were in youth ministry for years before he became the senior pastor. And I just working with kids. I know Patty works with kids. You just, you know, you have to just go. I'm not going anywhere. I'm Mm -hmm. right here. You can push me away all you want, but I'm not going to go anywhere. And I think that really matters. Just, just standing there. Um, just a few minutes Add to that real quick. I think too, um, just for them to not feel like they're your project. And uh, that's what you were alluding to Brad to just go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I felt that way. And I think so many times, especially as Christians where we kind of come into it and not saying it, but I think we're communicating that. Rather than going, you know what, God's going to just use me and I'm just going to show up. I'm, I'm not trying to change you. I'm just showing up and I'm loving you and I'm going to yep. speak the truth into you. Well, um, I agree with that. Totally. But, <laughs> thank, thank you. In the past, just a couple of minutes that we have left, Brad, um, you're doing some amazing things. So our listeners are all over the place, small towns, you know, large cities, and they're hearing this and going, I want to make a difference. I want to be aware, you know, as a mom going, okay, you just rattled me and I feel like I need to do something. But the problem is we don't know where to start. It's overwhelming. Who do I do it? You know, we we don't want anybody to go out and do it alone, do it by themselves. You must work um, with other people and it must be a collaborative effort. So, Tell us, and we just have two minutes, how would you advise somebody sitting out there to, how do they, where do they start? How do they start? Well, um, if I am able, I'll give you a shameless plug for myself. Um, It's the only time you'll ever hear this. Uh, But we did create a ministry because I personally saw the need that the church could fill those gaps that you're just talking about. Brad Dennis's class kids comes in and it is just another organization stepping into the mix of this. And after the fact, Brad Dennis in class kids has to leave, but the church is still there. And if we could train the church to go in there and represent these victims and really be a part of their lives and help them grow through this process, we're going to find more victims and we're going to take more victims from victim to survivor to thriver. Mm. So um, what the ministry is called to rescue, uh, called the number two rescue.org, and it is simply a program that we use to go in and actually teach the church how to engage uh, in their local community with all of these issues. We do the training. We actually take you out on the streets. We show you some really organic ways to do some reach outs. Uh, to that community and begin to build those relationships. At the same time, we also come into the community and give you a risk assessment of where all the vulnerability issues are. Mm. Okay, that is such great information. Called number two, rescue. Brad, we so appreciate you being on our show today, taking your time. We know this is like an crazy uh, week for you, but thank you. And we just want to encourage everyone. You can make a difference. One person can make a difference. Be aware and run to the website um, that Brad just gave. We'll have information on our site at Girlfriend It. Thanks for joining our show. Go out, make a difference, and see what God can do. 
Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.